Shut up and sit down. ridiculous cough that should have gone away like a week ago because my cold is gone. I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I take medication. I use my inhaler. I use a fucking nebulizer that tastes like a goddamn tire. And yet still, I'm coughing. Coughing, 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 coughing. And yes, I've been coughing for a year and bite me bite me so hard. Here's the thing. I have asthma and I live in an area where the air is like bleh. It's shit. The air is shit. We have crop dusting, we have industrial, we have military crap. It's just it's the crap shooting. Any day you go out of your house, you don't know what you're gonna be breathing in or what it's gonna feel like or what it's gonna smell like and sometimes because it's so fucking hot here and it's so humid, you can go out of your house and be soaking wet with sweat before you get to your car. Because it's miserable. And I look forward to that this summer. Um today I went out, foraged in the world for food for my husband. So here we are. <clears throat> I drive across town in what constitutes rush hour traffic in my area. It takes me 20 20 minutes to get somewhere it normally takes me 10, which is, you know, it's okay. It's like I'm living somewhere stupid um, where you spend an hour and a half. (laughs) You spend an hour and a half in traffic to, you know, go three miles. So anyway, I go to get some Chinese food, and I order in advance. She said, oh, it'll be 20 minutes, and it was great. That's how she talks. And what's the, the best part about her talking, um, I've, I've known her for years, and um, when she gets in a rush, she skips words. And when you call her, you end up skipping words too. So instead of saying, I want two orders of chicken wings, you say, I want two chicken wings, because that's what she says. And it becomes this thing, and she totally understands you. So you develop this, like, this language that you have with the lady who takes your food order over the phone, and um, she has her own little language, and we all do it with her. I mean, I, I imagine the whole town does it. It's ridiculous. I would hate to call it a different place. I don't know how, I don't even know how that would work. It would be bad if she had to get another job. Um, <clears throat> so I go over there, and I'm getting ready, and I park my car, and I hop out of my car, um, wearing some particularly awesome shoes, by the way. I had... Um, Bought some really nice sandals, and I didn't get to wear them last year because I bought them on clearance. I got a pair of Clarks for $15. And if you wear Clarks, you know they usually run between 45 and 50 which is ridiculous. But I got them for 15 and it was awesome. But I didn't get to wear them because I bought them on clearance at the end of the summer. So I wore them today. And they're blue. They're really nice. They slip right on your foot. I love that. Um... I'm hopping out of my car in my Clarks, and I'm wearing a sundress because it's nice outside. And I get halfway around my car, and this I hear this old lady go, Hey, hey, that was my parking spot. Now, 
you see where this is going to go, right? Because I'm I'm not built to tolerate that kind of shit. And so I ignored her. And she says it again. And I said, I just looked at her and I said, lady, what the fuck are you talking about? She says, I came around so I could pull into that parking spot and you took it. I was like, do you think I'm psychic? How the fuck am I supposed to know this? And she was like, you should move your car so I can park there. You're you're young and you can walk. I said, you know what, lady? You could have already, in the time you spent berating me for taking your mythical parking spot, gone somewhere and parked somewhere else and be wherever you had to go. Fuck you and your entitlement. And I walked in to get my food. <clears throat> so, gosh, she'd be 70 years old. So I ended my day by cussing out a little old lady. I don't know how I feel about that since I have a little old ladies in my family. Um... But um, I did it, and at least I didn't, you know, I don't know, key or car or anything. Although that was tempting. <clears throat> Azure just posted in the chat room, Oh, God, Mom just came in and asked me a question about blowjobs. Here's the thing. My mom, that was the conversation that ended up getting me the sex talk when I was 11 years old because I come home from school and asked my parents what a blowjob was because I heard it on the bus. Now, you can guarantee you that my daddy got on the bus the next day because <laughs> he wanted to know what exactly was happening on the bus that I heard the word blowjob words. Was that two words or one word? Mm, two words. Um, so that was that. Anyway, so I ended my day with some Chinese food, which was awesome. I had some beef fried rice and some spring rolls and some really awesome chicken wings because I got two orders chicken wing. <laughs> and it was fantastic. And I cussed out a little old lady. I went to um, Target on Wednesday, and I've been saving this. I've been saving this for you guys. I didn't put it on my live journal, which I normally do. Um I uh, I go to Target, and my mom never comes to town during the week. And um, But she came to town on Wednesday, and um, we had a whole bunch of things to do. And we, we get into Target, and we're looking, we're looking for – she has this whole big list of things. Because if you have kids, you might have known that this week was National Reading week or or something like that they they had these events all through the week where they did different things like on Wednesday they did a thing with like like Dr. Seuss and they all wore Dr. Seuss hats to school and um today they all went as different characters in books and um so all my nieces and nephews did this um and we were on Wednesday we were gallivanting around, trying to find all these things, like a straw hat and, you know, a princess tiara because my one um, mini-me, my bossy mini-me um, niece, had to go as Cinderella, and that was the only choice. Uh, and um, I have a cousin who went, um, my cousin's kid, he went as Huckleberry Finn, which was really funny because my nephew went as Tom Sawyer, and they go to the same school, so they piled around all day um, like that. And it was, uh, so me and Mom are in Target. And 
the one thing you need to know about me is there is nothing that has come out of my mouth that did not originally come out of my mother's. Um, or maybe, you know, variations thereof. Let's just say that I get it honest, and my mother, the older she gets, the less likely she is to keep her opinions to herself on anything. And this is important because, okay, <clears throat> we're in the purse section and we're looking at purses, and she wants a blue purse. She's been wanting a blue purse for a while, and we've been to Ross, and we went to Steinmart, or whatever that's all that was, and we went to, we've been everywhere looking for a fucking blue purse. And we've been, you know, and she finds one she likes. And she puts it in the buggy. And then we have a 25-minute conversation about whether or not I want a red version of this purse. And I don't. The purse is very small. My mom likes small purses. I like big purses. I have a lot of stuff in my purse. I have to have room. I have to have a lot of crap in my purse. I can't leave my house without all my crap, you know. And so I have a tablet. I have my phone. I have my chargers. I have a brush. I have a tiny little sewing kit in case I need, I don't know. I don't know why. I have it in there, okay. I have um, a little, um, a little, uh, Manicure kit because I keep I have nails and if you snag your nail it's best to file it than to chew on it all day right so I have that and I have a first aid kit and um, I have inhaler and uh, I have a lot of stuff so I tell my mother this I have a lot of stuff and she says to me ever since you were a little girl you've always carried more crap than you needed. And this could be true, but I blame her, and this is why. And it's in um, it's it's person doctrination is what it is because this is what happens. A little girl in my family, you know, turns four or five years old. People start giving her things. You know, oh, here's a purse, sweetheart. Here's some shoes, and it develops this thing. You know, like I, I'm guilty of it too. All my nieces have three or four purses apiece from me. Um, and then you know, when you're little, you don't have anything to put in your purse. But don't worry, because people will help you out with that. You'll get a mirror, you'll get a brush, you'll get a wallet that will have nothing in it, but you'll have a wallet to put in your purse, and usually it matches in my family. Um, so you have all this, you, you end up with all this crap in your purse when you're like eight, and you, you don't need any of it. So by the time you're 16 or 17 year old, you can't literally leave your house without all this crap in your purse because you've been indoctrinated into the idea that you can't leave your house without your purse and all the stuff in your purse. And then when you get older, of course, you have actually things that you need in your purse. Like, you know, my inhaler's in my purse. I can't actually leave my house without my inhaler. If I leave my house without my phone, well, we all know what happened last time I did that. I got like 3,000 billion um, text messages, and my mother thought I was going to die, and then she gave my dogs bones twice the size of their, literally their head, and it was ridiculous. But... <clears throat> So, I have a lot of crap in my purse. I can't carry a tiny purse. We get out to the car. And my mother is one of those people, sometimes if she buys something, especially a purse, she might change all her stuff out in the car. 
and put it in the new purse. So this is what she did. She dumped all her stuff out in the back seat and proceeded to put it in the purse. And I was like, you know what? And I took it away from her. I started counting it. I counted it. She had 37 items that went into her new purse. I had 36. It's just mine were bigger. I had bigger things in my purse. She's no different. Anyway, that's annoying, and that was Wednesday. Shut up. Yes, it was 37. I only had 36, really. I mean, really. But I'm not sure you should have to count the individual items in the first aid kit, like my mother said. But I let her have it because she's my mom and she's old. So, I don't know why I told you guys that story, but I did. Anyways, my sister calls me and says, Mom brought home a new purse. I'm like, I'm not her mother. I don't control what, what. And my sister's like, I thought we agreed. I was like, no. You said, and I listened, and I pretended to agree with you so we wouldn't argue. But our mother is 60 years old, and if she wants to buy herself a new fucking purse, she can buy herself a new fucking purse. It costs $15. Shut your pie hole. At this point, I should point out to you that my sister is me four years younger. And she says to me, you're lucky I am currently an hour and a half away or I will come over to your house and whoop your ass. And you know what? She totally meant it. She totally would <laughs> come over here and whoop my ass. But that's okay, though, because, well, she had tried. But I'm not saying I'd, love, I'd open the door because I'm not a fool. I'm just saying I'm, I'm not a fool. I don't let crazy people in my house. Anyways, that was my family drama for the week. My mom bought a purse. My sister thought it was the end of the fucking world. But it wasn't. It wasn't the end of the world. It's a cute purse, too. If I can find a picture of it, I'll put it up on my live journal later. It's blue. It comes in also red. Um, I have a new purse. It's Jessica Simpson. I love Jessica Simpson purses. They're great. They are fabulous purses. They have hidden pockets. and I mean, it's just a really awesome um, design company that's designed for her. I really enjoy the purses. They're usually leather or they're a really nice canvas cloth. Awesome. Great designs. Really um, comfortable and um, easy to carry. They they fall really well on your um, on your shoulder and they hang well on the body and they don't bang up against your leg. You know what I'm talking about if you carry a purse. And if you're a guy and you don't carry a purse, or if you're a man and you have a man bag, if Jessica Simpson makes a man bag, you should totally get one. It's awesome. (laughs) Anyways, so my established topics for the evening are fandom, nitpickers, and headcanon. I want to talk about nitpickers. And I want to talk to you, nitpicker. If you're that person who likes to casually point out someone's mistakes, I want to let you know that you've never once in your life been casual. It's it's never casual. It's never been casual. It's never going to be casual. And all it really is, and I, and I mean this, it's terrible, rude, asshole behavior, and you need to stop. When I get the following sort of comment, I want to delete my whole site. And it goes like this. I really enjoyed that, despite the typos and bad grammar. 
This was so good, I totally almost ignored your bad grammar. I read this so fast, I almost missed your mistakes. Almost, right? Almost. Here's the thing. <clears throat> when someone gives you something for free, you say thank you. That's what you say. Um, in fandom, this is especially a problem. I want um, you to know that uh, fan fiction writers are real people. We're not, um, and, and you know, and that's the thing. It was the, the internet gives you the, this this sense of um, entitlement that you feel like you can just share your opinions and everybody else has to listen and be grateful for them. Um, I don't really care to hear what you have to say. I don't. I don't want to know if I used the wrong word, if I misspelled this or misspelled that. Don't give a shit. I don't. I have two betas. I am extremely grateful and honored to have these relationships with these two ladies. Um, they both give me different things, and that's the point of a beta. Um, it creates a situation where you can um, bounce ideas off somebody and have a... Um, Dialogue and yeah, you know, and you have somebody to go. Hey, dude, you, you know, it's it's okay to go off the rails, but you're like totally over here in the in the bathroom of of the train station. So you might want to just come back over a little bit, and that's okay because that's that's what I I I go to them for. And so, Lady Holder, who's a canon, who's a canon whore. Oh my God, she is so attached to canon. Sometimes I feel like I just want to just jerk it away from her and flush it down the toilet. But that's okay because um, it's really beneficial because she keeps me from doing stupid ass things like assuming that Atlantis is ten thousand years old. Because <laughs> I did once, I totally did. Um, but you know that's that's okay because that's what that's one of the reasons why she's um, she's my beta because she's not afraid to say. Hey, no, really. <laughs> you can you can slap Ken on the ass all you want to, but Atlantis really is a lot older than that. You're gonna have to go back and think about that a little bit, just a little bit. Um, and the thing is about canon. One of the reasons I write fandom, I, I, I write fan fiction, and I'm in fandom, is a lot of times I find I find canon ridiculous, or lacking, or frustrating, depending on the fandom. Um, for instance, um, J.K. Rowling recently came out and admitted that she was wrong and that Hermione and Harry should have ended up together and the fandom exploded. And people were talking about this like, oh, she shouldn't have said anything. Really? Because we all thought it. We all knew it. Anybody who actually read the books, who really paid attention to the characters, knew that Harry and Hermione should be together. It doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense because Ron is entitled, he's lazy, he's abusive, and he's so disloyal. He is the I mean he's the Peter Pettigrew of their year. I mean, you know, their their generation. He is like he's like a mirror of Peter. He betrays Harry over and over and over again. <clears throat> he turns his back on him when things get tough. He, and it's so frustrating that she created this character, Hermione, who is, 
who was independent and strong and, and, and brilliant, and then turned her into that ninny in book six. What the fuck was that? I mean, in book seven, she came back, you know, and she stopped being a big weirdo. What 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 was that? What was I mean? It was it was really annoying. And you know, Emma Watson also said that she didn't think the relationship would have lasted, and it wouldn't have because Ron um, didn't have the ability to put anybody before himself. And that's when marriage um, becomes a problem between two people because, as much as marriage is a partnership and it's built on compromise, and it's also built on sacrifice. You, you make sacrifices for your partner, um, big ones or small ones, and you can't resent those sacrifices when you do make them. And that makes the relationship between Harry and Hermione make more sense because Hermione did make sacrifices for him that Jenny never would have made and Ron certainly didn't make. And <clears throat> there's a scene in book three, where Harry puts himself between Lupin and Hermione. And when Lupin is in his werewolf form, Harry literally put himself between her and a werewolf. He was prepared to sacrifice literally his humanity and perhaps his life to protect her from this. And that says so much about their relationship, and, and it's amazing, really. Um, and t- just, just, the, oh, just, it, it's horrible that she ended up with Ron and Cannon. Put, put that aside. J.K. Rowling came out and said that she regretted the pairing of Ron and Hermione, and that Hermione should have ended up with Harry. Okay, fans lost their minds, said she shouldn't have said anything. I don't agree. I don't agree. I'm a writer myself. I've been a writer for a very long time. You create things that they become part of your part of your life, and as much as we all wish that Harry was ours, Harry Potter really belongs to J.K. Rowling. And if Joanne wants to say she regrets what she did, she is welcome to do so because that's that's her shit. And if she wasn't thrilled with where with where she went, she had every right to say so. I mean, you know. Is she supposed to lie because she was asked directly about it? Is she supposed to lie? No, she's not. And for the, I'm going to go on the record right now um, and say, when she came out and said that Dumbledore was gay, <clears throat> plenty of people said she was rewriting canon to um, generate conversation about the books. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. Um, there were hints all through canon that Dumbledore was, in fact, in love with, how do you say his name, Grindelwald, whatever. I actually, I actually watched the movie, so I don't know how they say his name. Um, that was there. It It was there the whole time. And if you missed it, then you're just not a very good reader. I'm sorry. You're just not a very um, savvy reader beyond that. Uh, because you need to look beyond the word. And if you're not looking beyond the word and taking in context, taking in um, nuance in scenes and the creation of scenes, then you're not really 
your comprehension is practically zero as far as I'm concerned. And being able to read is a lot more than just being able to recognize words. And that's why anybody who thinks that Harry and Jenny should have been together at the end is ridiculous because from the get-go it was established that Jenny basically fell in love with Harry before she ever met him. That makes it absolutely impossible for her to have ever developed genuine feelings for him. She fell in love with an idea. She knew nothing about Harry. She knew a lot about the boy who lived. And that's, yes, that's creepy. That's very creepy. <clears throat> so there's that. Other canon topics. I I can write Dumbledore as kind of bumbling. Oh, I'm an old man. I made mistakes. and Or evil, manipulative. Oh, my God, I can't believe he can breathe and walk at the same time. He's so evil. How? But... <sighs> Because he's easy to manipulate that way. He's a very he's a very interesting character. There are some characters in Harry Potter that I'll never be able to write with any kind of real sympathy. So a lot of times I will almost ignore them. And that's Snape. I know a lot of people are very um, very attracted to Snape as a character, and I think more more realistically they're attracted to Alan Rickman. Because let's face it, Alan Rickman's a very good looking man, and he's he's dead sexy. But um, canon Snape in the books, he can go on and on and on about how he died for love, and maybe he did. But it was a selfish and ugly love. And I'm not sure that makes him um, redeemable. Because I'll never get past the part where he said he begged for Lily's life, knowing that Voldemort was going to kill Harry. Put yourself in Lily Potter's shoes. If she had survived that and Harry didn't. And to know that her childhood friend, someone she trusted and depended on, didn't come and try to save her. He begged his dark lord not to kill her and let him kill her infant son. Tell me again that Severus Snape is redeemable because he's not. He really is not redeemable. In canon, you can change him in fan fiction, but for me, when I write a good Severus Snape, it's because he was never romantically in love with Lily in my head, um, because if he is in love with her, then he makes all these selfish, vicious decisions, and it's it's ugly. It's And it's more than she would have just been pissed. Um, she would have been heartbroken forever changed by by the murder of her child. And that's what he was going to do. He was going to murder her child. 
and that's you don't that's just I mean it's it's unspeakably dark really and of course Tom Riddle isn't unspeakably dark but to think that Snape valued his own life and his inappropriate love for Lily more than he did the life of a 15-year-old, a 15-month-old baby. This is a boy who can barely speak a full sentence. I mean, he might have a couple of words. Mommy among them, mummy if you're if you're British. He might have been able to say daddy, milk, or sleep. He's 15 months old. He was probably almost walking, maybe walking. He was definitely crawling. This is a little human being that Riddle came to murder, and Snape didn't try to stop him. As far as I'm concerned, if Snape was going to be redeemable, he would have been the first one to die in Harry's defense when he was 15 months old. So that's my that's my take on Snape. I um, sometimes I make him kind of okay and not bad, but he's always in the background of my fix for the most part because I can't write him obsessively in love with Lily and see him as someone decent or redeemable. Even in canon, Dumbledore had to basically blackmail him into um, protecting Harry. Anyways, let's talk <laughs> fandom, fandom, fandom. Headcanon. I was recently asked, um, I'm not sure if it was on um, my WordPress or maybe in an email, I was recently um, asked why I made Jim Kirk Betazoid in Tangled Destinies. And I also made him half Betazoid in my um, my Sentinel crossover. And I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you why. I got incepted. I totally got incepted. I read this story on um, Kirk Spock, um, the the community, the on the KS archive, and Tiberius Kirk was Betazoid. I thought, oh, that's awesome. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> that's so great. <clears throat> but when I and I was like, hey, can accept it? That that is totally the way that it is. But then when I came ready to write um, Tangled Destinies, I realized that it couldn't be Tiberius Kirk that was Betazoid. Is it at least in, in my AU? And it had to be um, because of what I wanted to do with the plot. It it, it had to be his grandmother, and um, so <clears throat> I made his grandmother a Betazoid and Jim a third Betazoid in in Tangled Destinies because uh, because of that story. And I wish I could remember it because it was great. And what it was was basically, I don't know what happened. All I know is that in the end, Spock goes to the Kirk farm, and he ends up meeting Tiberius Kirk. And Tiberius Kirk has is, is Betazoid. And, uh, and it was like Spock had an epiphany <laughs> standing there on that front porch meeting um, Tiberius Kirk. <laughs> so that's why I made um yeah, I was just I, I was totally incepted and, and, and now it's like my totally my head can I I cannot picture James T. Kirk any any other way. That's just the way it's going to be. Um <clears throat> other other head cannons. I uh 
I definitely have OTPs. Um, when it comes, and they are definitely headcanon for me. Like I can't see. I don't know. It's Kirk and Spock all the way. It always will be. I, I can't. I don't even read any other pairing in, in Star Trek. That's what it is. It's Kirk and Spock. Period. Done. Bam. Done deal. Um, I really prefer McKay and Shepard together. I can read other pairings, but they're not. I get uncomfortable. I get especially uncomfortable with Shepard OC. And I don't know why. <laughs> it makes me really uncomfortable. Um, but <clears throat> which is unfortunate because there's this really great series on race bait. I've, I've heard that it's really good called um, um, Becoming Connor or something like that. And it's a it's a slash and it's Shepard OC. And um, but yeah, I've I have a real problem with that. Um, I could definitely write Bones Ferrick. I totally could. Of course, I can write Bones Pike because I really enjoy that too. Uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a Sherlock Holmes, John Watson. Uh, I, uh, I'm author, I'm author Ames in Inception. There's no other pairing or or. or the, there's no other pairing. I cannot stand to see Cobb happy and in a relationship because I don't think he should ever be happy again. But that's just me personally. Uh, when it comes to Harry Potter, I can um, I can slash Harry with Draco. I can uh, you know I could actually honestly slash Harry with Neville as well. I haven't, but I, but I totally could. And of course, Harry Hermione. Um, in both of the Serpent King, I have Ron and Hermione together, but that was mostly just because. I wanted to get them out of the way. Um, I don't actually believe in that pairing at all, and I couldn't write it realistically because I think Ron's twat. I don't like Jenny either. I think Molly is probably the worst mother on earth. She is literally the worst mother on earth. Because here's the thing, and this is canon. The twins and Ron rescue Harry from his terrible muggle relatives. They fly the car home, and one of the twins pops out and says, Mom, there were bars on his window. And she never says a word. Really? Put yourself in her shoes. (laughs) Say your friend. Your your children leave the house in the middle of the night on a rescue mission, and they call it that. And they go rescue their friend from their friend's house. And they bring that friend back to your house, and they tell you that they had to pull bars off their friend's bedroom window to rescue them. When you ask questions, just one and maybe two questions, I don't know. I I can't give her a pass. I can't, because here's Harry Potter in her house. And you have this in the background. Okay, Ron the twins rescued Harry. Why did Ron think his friend needed rescuing? Number one. Number two. The bar's on the window. Number three. If... She never made any attempt to contract to contact the Dursleys to tell them that they had Harry. And obviously the Dursleys never went to anybody 
or anywhere to say, hey, we've got a problem. Our, our nephew was stolen from our house in the middle of the night. No one questions this. Absolutely no one questions this. And it's horrible. Another fact. Here's Harry in her house. What we know of Ken and Harry already is, number one, he's he's dressed very badly in clothes that are two or three times bigger than his body. Um, we know from Cannon that he's not eaten well that summer because his aunt was very upset with him and his uncle locked him in the room and there were bars on the window. <clears throat> I don't understand... Molly's total lack of concern for this child who's come into her house. Molly's capable of apparating. Why didn't she go over to Privet Drive to let his aunt know that she had Harry, that her kids had, you know, saved him in the middle of the night? Why didn't she send her husband over there to do that? My personal headcanon is that they knew. They always knew that he was mistreated. The Order of the Phoenix watched Harry from the moment he was placed in that house until basically the moment that they took him from the house minutes before the Battle of the Seven Potters. The Order always knew. That's my headcanon for that. They always knew that Harry lives in a cupboard, that his aunt basically hardly tolerated him and underfed him. Arabella Fig was right there. How could she not know? The whole neighborhood, his aunt went around telling the whole neighborhood that he was a thug and a, a thief, and Fig had to know that. He was underweight for his age. Anyways, unless Dumbledore was spelling the entire order to overlook the fact that Harry Potter was neglected, practically starved, and forced to live in a cupboard, every single adult in Harry Potter is a sorry asshole. It's sad. And that's why, literally, that's why the Harry Potter fandom is so big. Because even if you don't realize what's fucked up about Harry Potter, instinctually you know something is fucked up about Harry Potter. So you feel the need to fix it as a, as a writer. So, <laughs> and this is why. This is why Harry always, in these fix where he becomes independent, he always has this huge shopping trip where he buys clothes and stuff because we can't stand the fact that he doesn't have these things. We, we feel like he should have these things. So when a writer does their independent Harry, of course he goes shopping and he gets all the things that we think he should have because he's been deprived, right? So he gets clothes and, and um, just... He gets all those things. He gets all the things because we feel like Harry Potter grew, grew up abused. And it's really interesting because um, I heard once, and I never saw the interview myself, but that J.K. Rowling said that Harry Potter wasn't an abused child. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it's true, oh, Joanne, 
You need help. You need so much help, if that's true. Okay, <clears throat> so did I finish talking about nitpicking? Because I need to. The nitpicking. <clears throat> Don't do it. If an author asks you for feedback, by all means, give it to them. If you have time and the inclination to do so. But if an author like myself or somebody on Rough Trade, especially on Rough Trade, I'm going to tell you right now, Rough Trade is not meant for you to nitpick on. And I will delete your comment and delete your membership if you break my rules. But in general, okay, say you're over <laughs> at fanfiction.net or Archive of Our Own or on my site or on LiveJournal, wherever. Unless it's asked for, any nitpicking on your part is non-consensual beta. Don't be that asshole who does that. It's unnecessary, it's unwanted, and it's rude. It is terribly rude. When someone gives you something for free, you say thank you. And if their grammar is too much for you to abide, there's an awesome button at the top of your screen where you can back up to the page before it and move on to something else. Or if it's so bad you can hardly stand yourself, there's an X in the upper right-hand corner. You can click on that and close the whole damn thing out and forget it ever happened. But this is okay. You have the right to say what you want. You don't have the right to say what you want on my site or anybody else's site, for that matter, or anybody else's story. You can get on your own live journal and bitch all you want to about my typos, about my grammar, about my attitude, about my arrogance, whatever. I don't. I have no shits to give. I really don't. But you don't have the right to do that in my space, period. And you don't have the right to do it in anybody else's space either. Your right to say what you want ends with my right not to have to listen to it. You can say what you want, but there is no law on this earth requiring me to give a shit or to even listen or read, comprehend. None, not a, not a fucking thing to say. Nope. Say what you want. Don't expect anybody else to care. That's the rule. So... I, uh, <clears throat> what the fuck? I talked about beta and headcanon. <sighs> oh, so I was on Blaster today, which is the uh, basically the website for Fifi, or as you might know them, the channel that used to be the Sci-Fi channel channel formerly known as the Sci-Fi Channel, and they announced that they're going to do more space operas and more science fiction-oriented programming instead of these B-movies we've been having. I don't know if I believe them. I really don't. I, I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm just saying that um, he's full of shit. 
Because here's the thing. The Sasquatch channel used to be awesome. Used to be awesome. You know what, dude? If you want to make the Sci-Fi Channel awesome, prove to me that you mean what you say. Rescue intelligence from prime time because it's not. Mm-mm. Rescue almost humans. I think they're going to cancel it, and it would be great if you rescued it and put it on your sh- on your channel and gave it a whole bunch of money and let them just. It would be awesome. Awesome. It would be awesome. But I don't believe you. Give us another Farscape movie. Miniseries, that'd be great. Um, give us a new Stargate series, a real one, not that universe crap. I'm sorry if you like universe. I don't. Who does? Um, bullshit. Give us a new Star Trek series, a real one. Bang on, boom, Star Trek. Make it happen. Then I will respect you as a channel, and then I will believe that you are capable of producing sci-fi, but more importantly, I will trust you to produce sci-fi, because right now I don't, and I don't trust you, because you have professional wrestling on your channel, and as much as I know that to be sci, I know it to be fiction, I know it's not science fiction, Um, and I don't want the SGA movie, because I read the synopsis, I don't want it, I don't want SGA extinction to ever be made. Fuck you and fuck that. I don't. Did you read that shit? Did you read what they said they were going to do? No. Let me tell you what they said they were going to do. <sighs> Atlantis was going to end up in another galaxy, not Pegasus, by the way, and Kanan was going to be killed some sometime on the city. And then somewhere in the midst of this movie, John and Taylor were going to realize they were meant for each other. They were meant for each other. Really? Really? Fuck that. Fuck you. Don't ever make it. Don't ever make Stargate Extinction. I just think Stargate Extinction never happened because it was stupid. And Thor looked down at it and said, No, that shall not come to pass. And he smited Paramount to prevent it from happening. That's, yes, Thor is our savior. He saved us from that atrocity. It, it It's so fucking, it's so fucking dumb. Oh, my God. But <clears throat> in what world does John and Taylor actually make sense? John is this... John has the emotional range of a small child. And Taylor is so emotionally mature, it makes absolutely no sense. In, there, it, no. It's just, no. <laughs> it makes no sense what, whatsoever. It, it It's just dumb. And it's it's the worst kind of... I don't even think that would be fan service. I don't know anybody, I don't know any fans that would appreciate that and think that was appropriate. I, I really don't. But then I have a lot of uh, online friends who are who are slash readers, and perhaps there is this whole huge part of fandom that I'm missing that thinks John Taylor are a good idea. I don't know. Maybe. 
I don't think so. I think that's bullshit. Anyway, so Stargate Extinction can never happen. It can never, ever, ever happen. Ever. No, for real. It can never happen. If that was the actual script. (coughs) Maybe I should write Stargate Extinction, because... I think I could. I could. I think I could handle even a canon script, where you know John stupidly saves the day, Rodney breaks up with Keller, they go riding off into the sunset. They don't have to be together, just not with stupid people. I don't. You know, I'm not that person who thinks that that John and Rodney happen have to have to happen in canon. I don't. I don't think that at all. Um, But I do think that Rodney and Keller are a, stup- a stupidly bad idea. Number one, she's young enough. It's ridiculous, the um, the age difference. Um, but more than that, she has no substance. None. Not a... She's cotton candy. And um, she's not... Earlier when I talked about relationships with um, Ron and Hermione, um, especially Ron and Hermione, um, I talked about relationships being built on um, partnerships and um, sacrifice and compromise. It's it's also built on acceptance. And she doesn't accept Rodney for who he is. In fact, she became attracted to Rodney when he was brain damaged by a parasite. And I think, no matter what she said, that she pretty much developed her own headcanon of what Rodney was like, and that was it. And so she tries to shape him into that the rest of the the season that we see, where she's trying to turn him into what he's not. And it's okay, you know... My husband had some bad habits when I married him. When I moved in with him, actually, not when I married him. We were we were living in sin for quite a while. He did dumb things. He's a man. You can change bad habits. You know, not putting down the toilet seat. I think that's a bad habit. It's a terrible habit. I'm sorry. Men don't do that. <clears throat> and, you know, throwing his socks wherever he pulls them off. That's a bad habit. But what she wanted to change in Rodney were not bad habits. She wanted to make fundamental changes to his personality, which is not, um, that's not what a partnership is, and that's not what it means to um, to be in a relationship with a person. You accept them for who they are. And you can say, okay, I really wish you wouldn't leave your towel on the floor. I really wish you wouldn't your boxers in the corner over there. Oh, I have a great story about that. Remind me in a minute. Oh, you won't remind me because I'm talking to myself, kind of. It's weird. Um, It, uh, but I don't expect my husband to make fundamental changes to his personality to make me happy. If I did, the first thing would have gone would have been his religion, because you know he's religious, right? Yeah. So, but, okay, but that, that was okay. I, I put up with it. It's one of those things I put up with. He's a huge football fan. I'm a football widow. I put up with it. 
these aren't th- these are just fun little things that he, that that he does. You know, he's he's religious. He likes football. He's um kind of judgmental on politics. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it's terribly funny. Um, <laughs> he. He he's terrible. He's terrible at Monopoly. If you're playing Monopoly with my husband, and say say for instance that you see that he's collecting all the red ones, and you land on a red one, and he hasn't bought it yet, but he also bought the yellow one, and you kind of want the yellow ones, so you buy the red one thinking you'll be able to trade with him. No, it does not work that way. If you invade the property set that he wants to buy, he will never, ever. <laughs> trade with you. You could offer him half your money and the property and he still would not give you the property you want. He just won't do it. He's terrible. We have actually not spoken to each other for a week over a game of Monopoly. So we don't play Monopoly anymore, which is unfortunate because we have some really cool ones. We have Star Wars Monopoly and we have <coughs> we have a Doctor Who Monopoly. Anyway, we don't play Monopoly. We also don't play Canasta anymore because I threw a deck of cards at him. <laughs> but that's a different matter altogether. Let me tell you about my husband and his boxers. When I first moved in with him, he had a habit of dropping his boxers on the way to the um, to the bathroom, so shower, you know. And he'd drop them in the bedroom floor and leave them there. And I would go behind him, pick them up, and put them in the hamper. It, but it drove me insane. It drove me insane. So one day he did it. And I stared at him for a minute. And so I just pulled up my nightgown, pulled my panties off, dropped them on top of his boxers, and walked away. And he, he calls me and he says, Honey, what is this? And he, I come back into the bedroom, right? And he's there. And he's, he said, Why? What is this? Because there, there are my... um. Scarlet, red, lacy panties on top of his um, his very manly boxers, and um, he said, "What? What is this?" And I was like, "They look lonely." <laughs> I just walked away, and after that, he stopped putting his boxers on the floor. <laughs> so it was because he just didn't know what to make of that, and it confused him and freaked him out. So he stopped putting his boxers on the floor after that. Uh, that's. I don't even know. I mean, it's just a weird thing. (laughs) So these are the things that, you know, you can change. But there are some things you can't change. And that's why the relationship between Keller and um, McKay was so stupid. I mean, it was just, it was stupid. Because she was trying to make fundamental changes to his character. There's a big difference between, you know, asking your husband to give up, I don't know, breathing versus (laughs) giving up picking his boxers up off the floor. I mean, it's just, it's just dumb. It's just dumb. So, there's that. Uh, Oh, my gosh. I've got an hour and four minutes left. I do have a trolling my husband tag on my live journal. You can go over to my live journal and check it out. I went through my live journal and marked off all the things where I had messed with my husband, um, and the most popular one on my site is uh, the one about the sex doll. And so, you know, you go over there and you can look up Trolling My Husband and you'll find one early on in my live journal about 
The Adventures of the Sex Doll. And I didn't, I'm going to go on record right now and say I did not buy that sex doll. No one believes me in my family, but I did not buy it. Um, I thought I didn't get a fucking refund for it, so I know I didn't buy it. <coughs> Sorry for the coughing. But I think I've done a lot better this time than I did last time. It's, um, I don't know. One thing about um, our marriage is that um, we make each other laugh. There's there's a lot of laughter in our house. <laughs> just dumb things. Just just dumb, dumb things happen. Um, it's, uh, but that's what a relationship is, and it's, um, it's weird and it's lovely, and I I try to bring that into my stories a little, you know, because people, there's no such thing as perfect. Have I talked TTB headcanon? Um, ties that bind headcanon. I don't really know what you mean by that, but if you could give me a clue in the chat room, I'd be more than happy to talk about it. I uh, When I built Ties That Bind, of course, I started with Zance Universe, and I uh, I got all the way up to that first sex scene, and I had to stop. Because I had plotted, I had done a really great job of plotting Ties That Bind, I think. Um, and then I realized that I uh, had missed something very fundamental that I wanted to, that I needed to go back and do, and that was um, Pleasure Houses, because it occurred to me, that in a world, I, it just it just seemed to me like that that would be something that might happen. So I did that, and I created pleasure houses, and um, <clears throat> I uh, writing in ties that bond has is, is been a really rewarding and often frustrating experience. It can all it's also been <laughs> the source of. Uh, a source of anger because I got a lot of grief and I was told that I would um, I mean when I before I ever posted Ties at Bind um, I actually emailed Xanth and I told her that I had written the story for myself and I hadn't intended on publishing it on my website and then I thought better I thought that I might and I, thought, I told her about it and you know asked for her permission and you know she gave it she's a very gracious um, very talented woman and I'm really uh Pleased to be connected to her in that way when it comes to ties that bind. Um, it's a real honor. And she said, you know, just to be careful because um, I would get grief. And I thought, it can't be any worse than I already get. <laughs> I was wrong. I was very much mistaken. It it actually, um, I think that as much crap as I got, Ties that bind. I came precariously close to leaving fandom, and I thought I was made of sterner stuff than that. And I guess I am. I'm still here, and fuck all y'all. You know, fuck fuck everybody who don't like it. But um, I got a lot of crap for ties that bind. You know, people who said I didn't warn appropriately. People who got mad that I was writing it to begin with, and that I shouldn't post it, and um, that it was abuse, and that I was encouraging abuse. 
that I was writing rape fic, I was accused of that. Anybody who knows me as a fan fiction writer knows that, that my biggest issue um, in fandom is people who don't warn for rape or non-con. <clears throat> and there is no fucking excuse for that. I'm sorry. You know what? You can say, I don't want to ruin the plot or I want it to be a surprise all you want, but when you're writing rape and you don't want to warn for it, that means because you're... <laughs> You're a fucking asshole, okay? If you don't warn for non-con or dubious consent or rape, you are a sorry fucking asshole. Period. Period. And when you don't warn for it and you want it to be a surprise, that means you're writing it for titillation, and that's disgusting and you need help. And I do mean psychological help in case you had a question about that. As far as headcanon goes, ties it fine, I um, I think for the most part, most people in the United States are either, in the military when it comes down to it, they, they have a small training session um, in in the military. And for the most part, they're, ties it, um, La Petite Mort is the, go-to facility for training, and there are literally, there are a bunch of small branches throughout the United States and throughout other countries, including Canada. Um, there's even a couple of branches in Japan. There's some in China. They're, they are everywhere. Um, I'm not going to say there's a Walmart of, of pleasure training, but they are very widespread. So a lot of times um, people are trained there because it's very easy to get into to that house compared to other houses. Like Lotus, um, is is a house where either you're invited or you go through a very um, uh, rigorous process to get in, or you're there through inheritance, and we, which is how Matt got in. Matt was through inheritance through Jonah. Jonah claimed him so that um, Matt could go into that training house. The uh, sod is uh, legacy or invitation, period. There's no process to get into the sod without it. Uh, what I did in Criminal Minds, um, Aaron was trained by uh, Gerard, and as a result, he has a special relationship with the Marquis, the sod, and he decided to send Spencer to decide, and because of who he is in the house, and you know, as a disciple of Gerard, he was able to get Spencer into the sod. That it's normally not that easy. It isn't that easy at all for somebody outside of the process. If Spencer hadn't known Aaron, his best bet for training would have been La Petite Mort, and that's the truth. Um, because it's just an easier. Think of, it's like state colleges, I guess you'd say. Because I, I, I really don't want to call them the Walmart because that's that's horrible and it sounds cheap. And La, and La, 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 La Petite Mort is not cheap. They're all expensive. Um, but then you have to think about, you know, the fact that there are um, smaller unnamed training and there's even private training. Um, if, you know, sometimes a dom will come out of one of these pleasure houses and set up private training and work as a private trainer, and 
do it that way. So it's not so much that uh, everybody goes to pleasure houses because there are many ways you can be trained. And it's just uh, the characters that I talked about and focused on were trained because that's just a plot device. Uh, but it, so that's what it boils down to. So when it comes to someone like General Hammond, um, he's been in the military a long time. He would have been uh, trained in the in the 60s, early 60s. Um, I don't know. So I think probably La Petite Mort, he probably had a session with the Air Force, like, you know, a training session with the Air Force, like they all do. And he might have, you know, because um, he was a general when he tapped out. So he he had a lot of... Um, to get that far, you, you you have to be kind of exceptional. So there had to be chances where uh, the Air Force said, okay, you know, you, you're doing really awesome, you're doing really great. Would you like a session at a pleasure house? And then they would get that set up, which is what Ford is doing um, in SGA. Ford was sent back to Earth and put into La Petite Mort as a reward by the Air Force. So since so that happens. But uh, <coughs> other characters, I... I kind of see, um, I don't have a, a, a big list of um, characters that I didn't mention in their pleasure houses. It would just be as it comes up to me. Like, like if I plotted something and, and needed to know what house Janet went to, more often than not, she would have probably ended up at La, La Petite Mort. But I don't know, because I didn't write it down. But I think if I did, she would be. Uh, when I decided what house Carson came from, I I realized that Carson really wasn't a fit for any of the houses that I had developed. And so I went back to the drawing board on that and picked up another house because Carson really wasn't, he genuinely was not a fit for what I had already done. And so I, I wanted to explore that a little bit more and spend some time with that. But, uh, so, you know, but he, yeah, it is perfect for Carson because I designed it around Carson. <laughs> The the la, la, I don't even know how you would say that L L E U. Um, I designed that house around Carson as a character because I needed so I just needed and so he's like the epitome of uh, of a dom coming out of that house. So there's that. I am a big planner, but a lot of times <sighs> plans don't survive the first engagement. That's true as a writer as well. I mean, you go into <clears throat> you go into um, something and you and you have a plan and you create character profiles and you have this big plot document and you, you, know, you just plotted your ass off, right? And you get in and you start writing and then you go, okay, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know until you start writing that it's not going to work. And so, and then you have to go back to your little drawing board and open your little notebooks back up and say, you know what, you didn't plan that as thoughtfully as you thought you did. And so I do tend to write sex last. Uh, and Chris is very good for pointing out when sex should take place. She's she's very good for that. That's an excellent um talent for a beta to have the ability to say, okay, you need to have some sex here and a blowjob there and there could be some more sex here and you know, she's she's yeah. That's always good to know because 
a lot of times I get so uh, geared up for the rest of it. And I know that's really funny because I, I, I call my side a porn manifesto and then I forget to write the sex. But it but it happens. It totally happens. And then, um, but thankfully Chris is there to let me know and sex gets put back in there and put in there in filthy places. I, except for emotional clockwork, all the, all the porn and emotional clockwork was right where it was supposed to be, plotted. I really enjoyed writing, and so earlier I said that I was definitely a McKay Shepherd shipper. I say that really fast, um, but I really enjoyed that scene, Emotional Clockwork, where John had sex with Simmons. I really enjoyed it. That was awesome. It was great. Bang! He hits that like a professional, and I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> Chris King did in fact name her. Goat John Shepherd. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Actually, uh, I don't know what the other one's name. I'm, I'm not sure if she named the other one Rodney. I don't know, but she did. But she does have a goat named John Shepherd. Yeah. And yeah. Apparently, from the chat room, I'm being told that Chris King has a pair of goats named John and Rodney. That's hilarious. So, <laughs> general fuckery. I <coughs> sorry for the coughing, Jesus. I mean that in a non derogatory way. Uh I uh anybody wanna call and ask me some questions? General Rampart. Did you notice that I snuck General Rampart into um, another another story? He's not just in Ties That Bind. He's also in Sentinels of Atlantis. I really enjoyed sticking him in there. Just you know, kind of ninja him into the to the scene. It wasn't plotted. It, it happened by accident. It was a happy accident. You, as a plotter, you. Uh, And I'm instantly reminded of a very unhappy accident. Let me tell you about my unhappy accident. As many of you may or may not know, Lady Holder and I are writing a series, a story together called Beautiful and Dangerous Things. It's a Sentinel, Sherlock, Fusion, and, Sent- and then Sherlock is a Sentinel, and John is his guide. And we're working on it. And we plotted this thing out, and I'm riding back and forth with each other. She sends it back to me one day, and she had deviated from our plan and killed my little old lady neighbor. Not Mrs. Hudson, but a different one. She just killed my little old lady with the teapot. Totally killed my little old lady. But that was okay, because I rescued her from her horrible and demeaning death. But that's the kicker about riding with a partner. You never know what they're going to do. They might kill your comic relief when you're not looking. <laughs> she did fix it. We fixed it. I like, no, you can't do that. You can't kill off my comic relief in her teapot. <laughs> but when you write with somebody else, 
you have to um, expect their their accidents just just as much as your own because sometimes you will deviate from what you've planned and when you do it by yourself it's it's one thing but when somebody else is doing it with you you have to be careful that you don't go off and you end up in the desert somewhere and there's 15 dead bodies and you're like I don't even know how that happened shit happens oh I got a caller let's see who this is who is this hello do you realize that hello Do you realize I've been sitting here screaming at you, telling you it's your turn, and I did not kill that little old lady because I met you. You well, hell, you told me I you didn't tell me, so fuck it, that's it. Yeah, you, didn't tell <laughs> you me. did kill the little old lady. You killed the little old I lady. Did, I, I did, I did, I did. I did, I did, but you didn't tell me that I didn't couldn't kill the little old lady, and we resurrected her and we fixed it. But it was a good scene that I wrote for why you know for what happened. You know, and it actually showed some emotional death to Sherlock. It was horrible. I had a bad day. Whatever. It it worked. And be scary. And by the way, it's your turn, you know. Oh, it is my turn. It is my turn. One of the reasons why we haven't finished Beautiful and Dangerous Minds is because I'm weird. And do I have the file? I don't know if I have the file. Um, Um, Play Holder and I share uh, a folder on... On um, Google on, Google Docs, Google and Docs. Um, it may yeah. or may not be in my thing, but I have a lot of other things that I write on, and so there's that. There's that. I uh, I don't even know. I don't even know. But she did kill my little old lady, and that's what happens when you write with somebody else. And it was, you know, you you make a plan and. Plan together. You make a plan together, and then, then something happens. We didn't and you're plan. Like, we haven't planned. We didn't plan that. We there's a whole no, plan. I have a plan written down. I don't know where the hell your plan is, but I have a plan written down. We had, we, we planned well, out the murders and everything. Remember? Yeah, we planned out the murders. We didn't plan out anything else. Yeah, it was, there's right, just some things you don't do. I have, <laughs> don't kill a low lady. We planned all the deaths. We, we planned okay, all fine. the deaths, and you, and you added an extra one in there. You just, yeah, little old lady okay, killer. <laughs> yeah, I know, whatever. I was. I think I was frustrated at my grandmother. Look, whatever. So put the plan up. We, I mean, to, to give you guys an idea how bad we are, we haven't finished book one. We're plotting book two. All right? This is how horrible <laughs> that, we are. No, that's not an example of how bad it is. Let me tell you that this woman has. I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> okay, so you know how we're ha- I'm having that issue with book two, Atlantean Legacy. Here's it's the thing. All my problem. One of the reasons it. why I'm it. having a problem with book two, Atlantean <laughs> Legacy, is because every time Lady Holder and I talk about it, we end up plotting book five and six. Oh yeah. We have plotted three, books three five and, and six. <laughs> Ten different times. All in yeah, our, let's not do that now. All in our effort to plot book two. Books two, and three, and, and four, two. actually. Well, three and four are actually written. They just need to be rewritten a little bit. Remember? Yeah. I don't remember. It's two well, that's the I, problem. I, 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 I've seen book two, and, and I 
pointed out the major problem in that one. And, and it's yeah, it's problem. Daniel. Um, I, I thought that was last time. Yes. Daniel Jackson is yes. on, yeah, it's a problem. Because in my original book, too, Daniel Jackson's still on Earth. That's a mistake. Yes. <laughs> he ended up on Atlantis in book one. Um, but, yeah, we have we have aggressively plotted, plotted books five and six. Every time we've tried to put um, book plot uh, the plot book two, so maybe just book two shouldn't happen. I mean, we should just make book three, book two. Like fuck it. Okay, and we can and 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 stuff parts of book two into flashback scenes and and just have done with it and be and we can go oh, on three. You finally. have stumbled across my biggest pet peeve. Sorry, I hate flashbacks. I hate them. I hate to read them. Oh my god! If there's one thing that I really uh, fucking hate, it's flashbacks. Okay, then how about um, this? If you don't want to do a flashback, do a prologue. Okay. <laughs> Thirty thousand words later, chapter one. <laughs> Pretty much, let's be real. You've got that. I mean. And we've been told to do porn. You know, if she opens it up with, with you know, uh, John and Rodney having a good time and fucking in, you know, an anti-grav, you know, area, hey, I think we'd all be happy. But, you know. I don't know. That I, that think, I don't know if I believe that sex is possible in anti-grav. I'd like to try, wouldn't you? I don't and know. It's greatly depends. Because... Okay, I'm at this stage in my life when I start to have sex and if sex doesn't happen, I get mad. I'm just saying. Okay, so when one expects so, cock you know, and one doesn't get cock, one gets mad. Okay, and this is why I call you Rodney every once in a while. Look, and also, have, and here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. This the best so thing. Requires leverage. It requires leverage. Good sex requires physical leverage. And I'm not sure you can get physical leverage in a zero-G environment. You do realize we have people plotting this out to figure out how to do this. I mean, it would be like like this rocking thing. You know what? It would be like fucking on a waterbed. And if that's not the most frustrating experience I've ever had in my life, I don't know what was. It's just not, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> there's just, there's, oh, my God. There, It's impossible to get a good pounding in zero G. Okay. Well, you know, whatever. It's it's something that, to think and about. It, and if you're not going to get that, if you're not going to get that, what's the point? <laughs> point. Saying. I'm yeah. I'm watching the I'm watching the whole um, <coughs> you know chat room and and the ideas you're coming up with are are interesting. Oh yeah. I don't know, Azor. Every once in a while, sex can be a pain in the ass. That's when you're doing it right. You know, biting is a great thing. Just saying. And if it's done right, if it's done right, it's just the best thing ever. You know. <laughs> Or you just had a really nice spanking before sex began. Well, that's that's your thing. That's not mine. I like the biting better. 
Yeah. I like biting. Yeah. I like biting. Biting's great. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and thank you. But that requires more coordination than many men have. So I have to say, Senna pointed out in the chat room that you could have spanking while fucking. And while that sounds great yes. in theory, I haven't. I have not counted many men who can do both things at once. No, they mostly they stop. They do the the other action, and then they, they stop go back one to, to do the other. Doing. Yeah. Yes. They yes. stop one to do the other, and so to so to find a man that can do both at the same time is is quite an accomplishment. Let's put that yeah. out there. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> that's why you, you know, need two it, men. It, <laughs> that's helpful, you know. Or, or you know, there you go, Reader actually, Jen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is this is why you either need two men you. or you know somebody who can multitask. You know. I'm, more, I'm, I'm actually interested in finding that out. We should go see if that will actually get on here, so that way we can ask the question. Yes, yeah. You do have practice. <laughs> yeah. I'm weird. I don't know. Suda has offered to do me a sex tape. I don't know how I feel about this. I, I think um, um, the minion cult leader line just got crossed. Yeah. <laughs> No, we don't have real. Our lines are very interesting. Um, yeah, but I, I think, think a sex tape might my, be that line. I don't know. I don't think I want to see I my Shirley have you know have sex on a tape. That's just no. no Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I don't want to see anybody I actually know have sex. Oh my, I'm watching no, porn. I'll pass. That's fun. Good I don't have any friends there. that do porn, and if I did, I'd be very careful about making sure I didn't actually watch their porn, because I don't think you, uh-huh. in, unless you're having sex with them, people you know, you shouldn't know what their cum face looks like. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's just wrong. You know, it, one, of, I, one of the things I'm not that approved, always gets me is, Azure, I don't appreciate being called that in the chat room. I just think that I don't need to know what my friend's cum face looks like. I don't need to know what yours looks like. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think we're happy with that. And Azura, I don't need to know what yours looks like either, hon. It's just no. You know? (laughs) I don't think I can watch it either. (laughs) I have a cinnamon on the line. Okay, I'll let you go. But I was just going to say, didn't we spend one memorable evening on chat looking up sex masks for people? Was that? I don't think I was involved in that. Um, and I, I and I either, really, I really resent that you guys did that without me. <laughs> well, sorry. I we 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 uh, involved fuck? you in the real doll. <laughs> hey, we involved you in the real doll debacle. So you know you don't even get to, to com- complain about that. Yeah, but who says I wanted to be involved in the real doll situation? Well, that was because I was gross. That was because I was grossing out people, and it worked really well. So, you know, all's fair. But I'll let you get over to Cinna. I'll talk to you later. You guys have fun. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. I don't know. It is. I don't know if you were on some serious. I'm sitting here reading chat right now. 
I'm a I little totally fan. I totally was not there for the sex mask thing. I, I really wasn't. I remember yes, that. Yes, you were. You picked it out. I don't you know that I did. Out. I don't. You did. It must have been really traumatizing because I think I blocked it out. No, you picked it out. I have I know no memories of this. Oh, my God. We spent like an hour looking at masks because I was totally against the idea because it freaked me out. And then you and Mom went and found pictures, and you picked out the it one you totally liked. wasn't me. It was it wasn't you. Me. It wasn't. It wasn't me. Yes, it, it was. It totally wasn't me. I think I you were on you. serious medication at the time. It was right around the time I you broke your foot, I might have been. It, it might was around been. the time you broke your foot. I will say this. Um, if um, we ever have a minion convention, we should have it in Colorado. I don't think I need to explain that, right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're going to meet a bunch of people you don't know, Mary Jane well be somewhere where you can hide. Well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> might, might as well top the Rockies, you know. Just saying. What's interesting about the... Uh, legalization is um it's not just for medical purposes how people how people have this um argument that marijuana is so much worse <laughs> than alcohol when it really isn't and they have no scientific information to back them up because it's just not possible here's my thing about that it's just that. not possible because i don't know about anybody else you, that's true it could Marijuana can't. You're not physically you're not physically capable of inhaling enough marijuana to die. I temp. You can't overdose on marijuana. You might overdose on cookies, but that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Pot brownies. But literally, you can't consume enough in in any form, smoking or eating or whatever, to overdose on marijuana. It's impossible. Unless you're allergic, like heart. well, that's different. <laughs> that is different. That's an allergy. That's not the actual. <clears throat> I have a cousin who's actually allergic to um to alcohol, um grain alcohol. <gasps> no, no moonshine for them. Yeah. That's sad. She's allergic to grain alcohol. Um, oh man, that sucks. Let's see. I am allergic to shellfish. Oh. No calamari. I carry, a, I, I carry an EpiPen and everything. Didn't you and CP go out to that one uh, steak place and they gave you shellfish one time on accident? I can have I can have certain kinds. I can't have um, oysters, scallops, or um, any kind of mussel. But I can have calamari. I can have shrimp. I can have lobster. I can have crab. Okay, Panda, I really have I to know the story behind this one. What? He, pa- Panda apparently has a friend that's allergic to sperm. I I need to know the story behind this. <laughs> 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 so that's just bad. That is the worst thing I've ever heard. Because what is, what? I mean, hopefully it's a woman and not a man. Because if it yeah. was a man allergic to their own sperm, that would be just, Damn. I'm not sure if that's actually possible. Did you be allergic to your own sperm? 
he would have to get his balls removed, I think. They they would have to neuter him. There would be no masturbation in his house. No. Oh my god. His fuck is over. <laughs> Damn. That would suck. How are you allergic to somebody else's but not your own? The proteins are similar. Like weirdly well, I similar. I think it boils down to your body makes that and an allergic response is just um your body fighting a foreign substance and your own semen wouldn't be considered foreign. That's it doesn't make any It's weird. It's the weird. That, that's got to be the weirdest allergy I've ever heard of, being allergic to semen. Um, yep. There goes their porn career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no facials for them. <laughs> you know what? That's not sexy to me. There, it's really there are not. certain things it's that happen tough. in porn that are not sexy, and, and that would be one of them. Um, cum shots are not sexy to me. Uh, I don't... I'm telling you right now, if a man ever came on my face, I would punch him in the dick. Yep. That that is grounds for a ball punching. Um, I've actually <laughs> read I've read a few inception fics where I will get halfway through the fic and something like that will happen and I will just be like, Fuck this shit. I don't care how good the story is, I'm done. Yeah, you If you heard someone For those of you who aren't aware of it and aren't in chat, Senna was speaking to her husband just then. Yes, she just did in fact tell her husband to shut his whore mouth. That is our Senna right there in a nutshell. Um, it, uh, <laughs> and the worst part is, is not only does he tolerate it, he seems to like it. Weirdo. He asked me to marry him. I'm just saying. I did. You did. <laughs> you did. And you weren't drunk at the time. I was drunk when I said yes. <clears throat> no, but okay. Back to the uh, the the semen thing. I think that whole come on the face thing is very disrespectful. It is. And I can't stand to watch it. But you know what else? I can't. I, I hate to see somebody disrespected. It makes me very uncomfortable. I also hate to see somebody embarrassed. That's I why I don't watch Bob Sometimes TV. What? I don't I'm like to watch um, reality TV. I don't like watching reality TV because I don't like to see somebody um, embarrassed on purpose. Um, I will get up and leave the room if somebody gets embarrassed on a TV show. And I can't fast forward it myself. So I don't watch comedies. And I don't watch reality TV because I don't like to see that stuff. I just don't like seeing it. It makes me really uncomfortable when somebody else is embarrassed. Secondhand embarrassment, is that what it's called? I don't I know. So. I don't like it. So, Sunna, you have any questions? You just call me up to include me in your life? Well, you did say to have somebody call, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do want to know where General Rampart came from, though, because he's awesome. Rampart. Um, yes. Rampart. I I had this idea 
that um, that um, Gerard would have all of these disciples. And the thing is, is, when I said it and when Rodney repeated it, I had no idea who they were. I just put it in there and moved on. And then there came a point where I had to, I'm like, oh, shit. You know, now I'm going to have to use one. I'm not, I'm not fucking clue who they are. So <laughs> I went over to Google, and I looked up Gerard Butler and figured out what his age was and what age he would have been training other men at um, at a facade. And, of course, you know that Tom Selleck is actually a good almost 20 years older than Gerard Butler. Um, so I had to... I had cheated a little on that <laughs> to get what I wanted. Because what I did was I did I did this Google search of um I was like um attractive men in their forties. And I had this whole big list. And I don't know how Tom Selkin did on it because he was like I don't know. I watched Magnus Guy when I was little and he was like in his twenties when he did that. Anyways, and so I ended up with this list of really good looking men. And I didn't end up using all of them. I did use, you know, quite a few. I uh, I came very close to using Sealy Booth from Bones, but in the end I I, I didn't, which was good because I ended up um, casting that actor to play uh, Paul Napier, so that worked out. I uh, I thought that was I just had this whole thing inspired. That one was one of my favorites. Oh, cool! I don't know. I was I needed someone who was strong. Be the uh, be the leader of Desaad in Gerard's place, and um, the actor that plays Celia Booth on Bones. His name is what's his name. Oh God, uh, David something. Da- David David uh, Borsnia. Yeah, I don't, I don't fucking know how you yeah, say whatever. his last name. Yeah, that B word. Um, that motherfucker. He's not a very powerful presence, and I thought. He's hot, he's he's powerful, and he would make a great dom. And I actually did a vote. I had readers vote for that, um, and they picked him to play Kyle. I did a casting couch for that. So, uh, But when it came to Rampart, I had the name first, and then I did that big list of actors. And this is why I picked Tom Selleck. And while Tom Selleck is kind of out of the age group of all the others, um, it's just because he was very attractive and um very strong, very um, powerful-looking man. And I thought, okay, he could he be a high right present. And he can be Rampart, and then he became Rampart, and, and that's how that happened. So I had the name and the position first, and then I came back and um, put uh, an, an actor in the role. So, But what's interesting about Rampart is that his wife is the courtesan of one of the other disciples. I don't Angela is Sydney. 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 Um, his. Okay. Is, Angela is Sid, is Sydney's um, courtesan, and I don't know. It's all very incestuous, really. That that whole grouping of people. Cause they're not actually related at all, but they're kind of all interleaked with um, Gerard, and so it becomes this thing. <coughs> Sorry for the coughing, and um, but um. Yeah, so Rampart, the name came first, and then the actor to play him came second. 
I just, but I knew uh, going into it that I needed someone who was um, strong, had, had a very powerful presence, because uh, you just don't make any Tom, Dick, or Harry the commandant of the Marine Corps. Yeah, exactly. I I really <laughs> like I really like the way that you made it so that everyone that's higher ranking in the Atlantis mission really respects him. They all know about him. They're all mildly in love with him in some way, shape, or form. And I like the relationship between him and Matt, too. Yeah, that, you know, that was the thing that, you know, when you, um, when he's in the position that he's in, he has a lot of exposure to a lot of different people. And when you have a geisha in the Navy, he is known, you know, because he's rare. And yeah. um, I can kind of picture that there have been actual ginormous amounts of conversation about Matt and whether or not, okay, can we really let Aisha get in a plane? You know, I can I can I can actually see these backroom conversations taking place in high ranking places in the Navy going, you know what, dude, we cannot put this Geisha on a ship. And then someone saying, you know what, actually we can't not do it because he's doing his thing and he's holding his on own and he's this is his career we're talking about. And you know, and them having serious ginormous arguments about Matt um, because of his status and um, even some maneuvering on their parts to even get him in their command for personal reasons, you know, or to get him out of their command for personal reasons because there there is an incident in Matt's past where he was moved from one ship to another because he stopped attending the commanding officer on that ship. Yeah, well, he was a fuck face anyway. So, right. So, you know, so it's a thing. It's yeah. a thing. And so there's, you when you when you build a world as complicated as ties that bind, you can kind of picture, well, I can. I can picture these, these backroom things happening and stuff happening that's never shown, but you can kind of see it. Like, this this is the kind of thing that had to have happened here. And, you know, and John talking about how when he was in <clears throat> in a, in boot camp and he had just been marked by the house in Singapore, and I will never attempt to say that name. I was going to ask you really to, cool. too. <laughs> uh, no, this, uh, that's not going to happen because I'll, I would totally butcher it and insult people and it would be bad. Um, when he was marked in Singapore and he came back over for um, for boot camp, Straight into boot camp. They had no idea what his markings meant. Um, he's a very attractive young man. So I can see other dominance in the um in that situation being very attracted to him and not knowing 500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Phil Penny Mitsubishi during Mega Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5000 bucks with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit PhilPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on approved credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details that he was dominant until it was too late. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then and, and then having to deal with it, with, the, with the fallout of that, you know, trying to bully him into attendance or sex because, you know, that's a very uh testosterone and charged environment. Well, and John's really great. That kind of training, that kind of physical training and, you know, you've got 
this very attractive young man coming into it, and you know, so it's like a thing. And I think that um, when Matt went in, it was a different thing altogether because, you know, you can can you can you imagine Matt in, in, in boot camp? <laughs> I mean, because you know he comes into boot camp. Marked, <laughs> that, yeah. that had already taken place. You know, so he comes into it. He, you know, he enlists um, already a geisha, and so they have to. There's a uh, situation there where the people in charge literally cannot afford, socially, politically, career-wise, can, cannot afford to let Matt become injured in a way that would damage his. His value as a, um, as a submissive. Well, I mean, if if you think about it like this, they could also lose their mark if something happens to him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's that's I mean, total you, persona a, non grata. You've, you've got a very valuable submissive in this in this training situation, and every officer in that mix would have been deemed responsible by his house if he came to harm in any way. Yeah, exactly. It it just but Matt not, did enlist and became an officer later. Yeah, he went through he went through OTS officer training school. Right, because he did um, he did boot camp. Then he was in college. He got his degree. He went to flight school. He did OTS. You know, um, what was his degree in again? Aeronautical engineering, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I think okay. so. Um, but I, kinda, I, I would like to see Rodney pick his brain about that because that would just be a brainstorming session. That will require me to learn a lot about aeronautical engineering. <laughs> and I try to avoid, in case you guys missed it, I try to avoid talking about the science because it's not really my strong suit. Well, and it there's there's so many minute little details that you would actually have to have a degree in order to be able to go into an, a true, like, right. In-depth conversation, and even it. the made-up science in Stargate, it's it's easy to get it fucked up. Yeah, it is. Speaking of making uh, shit up and and winging it, I <laughs> recently um, wrote a uh, entire ritual out for for Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, which twenty part twenty-three is in beta right now. Uh, I have every which, feeling it's going to come back for me from Chris saying you need sex right here. Um, I'm you sorry, know what? she has a red pen out. I said, you know she has a red <laughs> pen out. <laughs> uh, do they both have it at the same time, or is it one or the other? What do you mean? For the for the beta. Do, does Chris get it first, and then Mom, or is it at oh, the same time? Oh, well, they time? get it together. They get it together. What happens is okay. I'll send an email, and Chris and um, LH both have it. And um, Chris will do her beta first, and then she'll send it to to the lady holder, and then she'll do her beta on top of Chris's. So when I get, I'll get one document back, and it'll have all that stuff in it. I'll that, have comments. That's like and just make it easier. It does make it easier because when you're beta with two, two different people, I used to, I would get a document back from Chris and a document back from Lady Holder, and then I would have to merge them together myself. Yeah. That was like, ugh, it was horrible. <clears throat> so I will admit I had yeah. trouble with that the first time that I submitted Tsunami Bomb because I gave it to you first, and then I gave it to Mom, and then I gave it to Mariah, and then I gave it back to Mom. And by the end of it, I just wanted to curl up in a ball and cry. So 
this go around. And so the I'm next time you do it, everybody. So so the next time you do it, what you do is is you send it to me, and then. I do my thing to it. And you, you can take it back and do all the changes you want to do and yeah. set changes or whatever and then send it to your next person on your list. So you're only dealing with one file instead of four. Yeah, exactly. Because I do you know have, I, mean? I, now, I literally Because Chris and Lady Holger have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Oh, what? because Chris and Lady Holder have a good relationship and they, they know each other pretty well and, you know, they um, Chris made this for Lady Holder as well. Uh, they can blend together. But if you're afraid your betas won't blend together, you can keep them separate by using them individually, but not so that you have four files. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I have yeah. I have Does literally that, six yeah. files well, of Tsunami Bomb, just the first draft. That's not including all the side stories for the OO and everything else. That's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but it's great. So, you know. It, it's fun. I won't through. tell you how many drafts there were of Lanty um, and Legacy. It's ridiculous. Oh God! Can no, I, can it really I just... was. I mean, it really spent six months in beta, so I don't even. Want... It's just horrible. Uh, I can imagine. I can imagine. I I do like the yeah. I wrote my first full on <laughs> ritual for Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond, and um, and uh, I don't know. It, it's weird. I did some um, research on pagan rituals and circles. And stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. I uh, when I did the rituals and the other part of it, um, I kind of I did them from an outside point of view, so that you didn't have to figure out what Harry was doing because Harry was doing it, and but people around him were watching, so you weren't. So I didn't have to dig into the minutia of the experience. But yeah. this one, I did it Harry and Hermione's point of view, and they're together in the ritual, so I had to actually put some thought into how that ritual was going to take place. It's kind of annoying. Not sure I'll be doing that again. <laughs> I Yeah, I I can see how that would be frustrating. I um I got a little frustrated with somebody, um, actually when I was doing Step Away from the Window for one of the naked challenges. Um, I When the challenge was over, I did send it to somebody, and I'm not going to say who it was, but I will never use them as a beta again, ever, because they went through and there were literally over 600 track changes in the story, and I was fucking furious. I was fucking furious. I don't talk to this person at all anymore, and I probably never will again. What were the changes? It it was just, like, stupid little shit. They're like, well, why don't you do it this way, and all this other shit about the science behind the genetic mutations that they had and why the mutations were the way they were. And I, I did research on bioengineering. Oh, so it wasn't like grammar. No, no. They this were trying to change my fucking story completely. Oh. Like grammar I can handle, like punctuation I can handle. That's fine because I'm, I'm not perfect. I am, I am a human being, you know, but don't, fucking tried to change my plot because it didn't work with the way that I wanted everything to end up and it I was so pissed off. I like oh. I don't even accept their emails or anything else. What you need to um what you need from a beta experience and what you get aren't aren't often the same things. And, that's, you, that's and very you won't true. learn until someone does that for you. Um 
But what I had to learn early on in in my life as a writer is that, uh, and I recently encountered someone who who has this problem in spades. And um, <clears throat> what I would suggest to any to any writer, whether it's beta or experience or an editing experience, is um, <clears throat> take everything you get with a grain of salt. Yeah. Recognize that your words aren't gold. Always remember that bad craft cannot be excused by saying it's your author voice. If I have one more person tell me they can't change bad craft because it's their author voice, I'm going to get on a plane, fly to their house, and kick them in the face. That's a bullshit (laughs) cop-out. It's going to happen. Yeah, it is a bullshit cop-out. And, you know, you, you have to respect grammar and language and all that stuff. Um, but uh, you, I don't take editing personally. I don't take data personally. If I don't like what they have to say, I just hit delete, delete, right-click, delete, right-click, delete, and I forget it. I, I, I yeah. forget about it because if you let yourself fester on someone's suggestions that piss you off, you just end up hating what you wrote because it reminds you of them, and you don't want to do that. You know, yeah, so, exactly. Um, not to parody a movie I haven't even seen yet, but let it go. And yes, and I will absolutely help you hide a body. Uh, awesome. Someone asked in the chat room, how do I how do I keep my characters in line? Uh, okay, here's the thing, and this is actually. <laughs> A pretty big pet peeve of mine. Um, <laughs> I don't literally have a muse. Um, I don't. Everything I write literally comes from me. It's not coming from some mythical place. Uh, so. It's in your mind. Every palette. word I write is my responsibility. So if my characters are doing something, it's because I did it. They didn't yeah. do it. They don't actually exist. <laughs> sometimes it so feels like if you're arguing. I allow with myself, huh? I said sometimes it does feel like you're arguing with them, though. It, it, but you're just arguing with yourself, which can be that's, fun. That, that's what it boils down to. You are arguing with yourself, and you are argue. You are um, so. If you allow yourself to go off on a tangent and your characters move away from your plot, that's your responsibility. It's not the responsibility of some fictional person you've created in your head. So knowing that and going into a situation like that, what you need to remember is if you've gone off on a tangent and you've moved away from your plot, either one, you need a break, two, your plot needs help. Yeah. You your 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 unconscious mind has found a hole in your plot. And that's what that boils down to is that you've um when you're writing and writing itself is a very organic experience and you're and you're moving through this whole thing where you're 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 doing the and you're physically writing and my husband once asked me, where the hell does all of it come from? Where do the words come from? I don't know. They just come. They just 
they're, they're just here. And that makes you feel like you're having some kind of magical experience and you're not. You're not having a magical experience. What you are having is a, a very deep connection with your unconsciousness. I guess I, I guess I would say that. Because I don't actually write on purpose. Does that make any sense? I mean, when you're writing, you just write and it comes out. You know, it just comes, it just literally comes out of your head. And, yeah. it, and it feels magical, but it's not. And your characters really aren't doing shit. You're doing it. So if your characters are doing something you don't want them to do, you're doing something you didn't plan to do. Yeah, exactly. So you need, you can... so you need to stop. You need to stop, take a look at it, ask yourself why your characters are in this situation, why you've written this, and, okay, is, is there something wrong with my plot? Is there, is there not enough um, detail here? And, 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 and that's what it boils down to. It's, it's the... Where did I go wrong and how can I fix it? Exactly. Um, Because as magical as writing feels, it's not (laughs) actually magic. It's a a product of your mind and um, so are your characters. And um, nothing pisses me off more than someone who tries to say, oh, I didn't do that, my characters did. Fuck that. Really? Really? No, that's that's not how that works. That's really not how that works. It reminds me of that commercial where that lady, a <laughs> lady has all her pictures up on her wall, literally, and she's got her friends there, and she says, "Now I'm sharing all my stuff on my wall." And, <laughs> and her friend says something smartass, and she says, "I unfriend you." And the old lady says, "That's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. That's how I feel. That's not how that works." Okay, your characters are not separate from you. They are a part of you. Every word you write comes from you. It's a part of you. It's not um, magical. It's not some um, literal, it's not a religious experience of any kind. It's not, um, you don't actually have a muse. (laughs) Nobody does, you know. So own your words, own your plot, own your characters. And if your characters go somewhere in the plot that you did not intend for them to go, own that. Recognize that that's something you did. Is it good or bad? That's for you to decide. And if you want to keep it, you have to go back to your plot, figure out how that works in your plot. If you don't want to keep it, cut it out of your document, put it in a new document and save it in case you want it later. Yeah. See, and I think that's why it made Um, me so mad when that beta made all the changes because the plot worked the way I had it and it worked the way I wanted it to and I felt like she was trying to change the story and make it hers. And it didn't... (laughs) Some people don't have the personality to be a beta. Um, There are different kinds of beta relationships. There's um, beta, there's editing, um, there's alpha. There's an alpha... Reader, um, um, professional writers don't use betas for the rule. Um, they will sometimes use alpha readers, and that's someone who is more like their test audience, like in the, like if you do a TV show or something. So an alpha reader, a reader is a test audience, and it you know okay does this work? Does this work? Does that work? And when an alpha reader reads your material, um, 
there's an expectation that they're going to be excruciatingly honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always a comfortable experience, but it's a very valuable experience. Um, but when you have someone who comes in and wholesale makes changes to your work, um, when you realize that's happening in the future, I recommend this to anybody, if you have a relationship with a beta and your beta comes through your work and they make wholesale changes to your work story, your file, just close it and never open it again and get a new beta. That, because, that's what I have um, yeah, because they don't actually <laughs> and if they ask you about it, tell them. You know what, actually, um I decided that I wanted to write my own story and I'd like to let you know that um if you want to write your own story, I'm perfectly okay with that, but I'm not okay with you being my writing partner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I didn't agree to co author this shit. <laughs> You know, actually, some people aren't capable of co-writing, and although I do have a couple, I have a project with um, Lady Holder. As a rule, I'm one of them. I have a hard time. I'm I'm very selfish with my characters. I'm very selfish. I don't. Huh? I said the teapot lady. (laughs) The teapot lady. No, I mean no. I mean professionally, I have never had a professional um, partnership because I uh, tried once. And I came precariously close to stabbing that woman in the face. So because we're like physically in the same room, and that was a mistake. Um, and I'm just honestly not always built to do that, you know. Um, so you yeah. have to <clears throat> you have to figure out your limits. And uh, but uh, if I could give one piece of advice when it comes to beta and editing, is it's not personal, and yeah. don't take it personal. Because, and that's why you should never ever let your family read your shit. Nope. Because no matter how often you tell yourself, you, it's not personal. When someone you know reads your shit, it's personal. <laughs> yeah. And when someone who's related to you reads it, it is definitely personal. I want to thank everybody in the chat room for that two minute warning. <laughs> um, <coughs> I, uh, you know, my chat room on my site and and in and in the radio show is always a source of the most interesting things. That, that's true. Here's what I'm seeing. I was going to write a strip poker scene, but Rodney wants to have naked Crisco wrestling instead. Ew, Crisco in your mouth. That's gross. Um, Azure. You know, I'm going to record right now and say you shouldn't use Crisco anywhere in your body. Because mm-hmm. number one, it tastes like Shit. <laughs> it's good for frying chicken. It isn't good for eating by itself. Okay. <laughs> on that note, Crisco is for food, not for sex. And on that note, I'm going to say goodnight because I'm down to 49 seconds. Say goodbye, Senna. Bye, guys. <laughs> Shut up and sit down.
500 ways to save. One month only at Philip Fanny Mitsubishi during May Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5000 with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit PhilPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers out of free credit, warranty valid through 10th year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details.